John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And this is Constellation, making the graphic novel. Join us as we build an original science fiction world. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Constellation podcast. How are you doing today, Ted? I am okay. How are you doing, John? Uh, not bad. Uh, we we don't have a media club, so we're just going to get straight into Constellation stuff today. Yeah, uh, let's get the club. And this is going to be a Department of Culture mostly, and our topic is uh, religion, which is you know a fun topic for our world just because of how different it is from today's world. Right. Uh, and uh, you know, I have a bit of an outline that I came up with uh, that Ted does not know about, uh, but a bit of a framework that I thought of for thinking about religion. We may massively deviate from this, but uh, we can start with that, I guess. Uh, should I just jump into it? Yeah, let's start there. Okay. So I was thinking about the the question of re- different kinds of religions in the constellation. It seems like maybe a good framework for talking about different branches of religion would be to discuss possible stances that people would have towards the simulators, right? I mean, everyone knows. Right. I mean, that's this what's is the different big ab- difference between that world and our current world, right? Which is that you you know for sure that there's some kind of greater intelligence. That's right. That is the, di- yeah. We, we all know that the simulators exist. So then it's like, what is your, your stance towards them? Uh, and I think the first obvious one that tends in a religious direction is to have a stance that they are, you know, a god or gods, maybe benevolent, or uh, that they should be served, right, in some way, because they, essentially, the simulators are our gods, right? Right. It's not the only stance you could have, but I think that's like a major one that leads towards a religious mindset. Right. So gods Um, to be worshipped, venerated, served, that sort of thing. Yeah, and so that would lead you logically to trying to to learn their desires and then fulfill those desires, right? What are they, if we're going to serve them, what do they want? What do they want us to do? Right. Um, and I know you wanted to talk about defaultism, which is the main kind of re- religion that we've teased a lot on the show. And I think that f- fits squarely in here, right? Because this is one way to try to learn their desires, right? Is you say, well, what are the default settings? That seems to be a strong nudge, right? Uh, right, in right. That, yeah, in you can make direction. a logical argument that regardless of what the simulators exactly want, they have set these settings for us as default, and that must have some reason behind it. So maybe we should embrace the mystery of the reason and just stick to the defaults as given. Yeah, yeah, and we can sort of run through some of what the defaults are, right? Like, uh, yeah, we talked about this a little bit already, so we can recap that. Like, yeah, just really quickly, right? The defaultist wouldn't have kids because right. birth control defaults to on, right? Uh, no, also, defaultist, they wouldn't die. They would never die. Uh, uh, they would not have. They'd always have regeneration on. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd always have pain low. Mm-hmm. They would have. They would not have private worlds because the default is that worlds are listed. So it would be an important value for Correct. defaultists that they make sure all of the worlds that they reside in are listed. Right. Um, and actually, to the extent that the defaults preserve a lot of real-world physics, um, just right. because that's what's comfortable to Earth beings, right. um, they wouldn't mess with that either, right? right? Other than the tweaks we just mentioned. So they wouldn't be living in worlds where you can fly and that sort of thing. They wouldn't be giving right. themselves bat wings. They would be sticking to human uh, appearance similar to their appearance on earth 
And since these are people who did not have kids, they would be exclusively um, uh, people who had been scanned in, at least at first. Um, I guess some people might join the defaultists after being born, um, but no one would be born into a defaultist family. They'd all be converts. That's right. And and you could take this different degrees seriously, right? Like if you were a particularly intense defaultist, you might say, well, the default homeworld, the uh, the savanna, the lush savanna, right? That uh, that we were all put on with the babbling brook, you know, that was then the fruit tree or whatever. Right. Uh, that is how we were meant to live, right? So that we really shouldn't mess with that. And you could take it even farther to where. Well, they also put us isolated in our separate world. So if I'm like, maybe there's monks in the defaultist world that like, I mean, there can't be too many of these because for right, right, right. I can imagine like the ascetic like extremists among the defaultists would literally just self banish as soon as they realized that that's what their religion sort of at its ultimate level demanded. They'd just go back to their home worlds and be alone forever, right? Yeah, but I, obviously that's got to be a minority or because that's, right. you know, you can't organize if you're... Right, well, because the whole purpose of having the religion is to get together, and I do think that by default you are able to travel to different worlds, and uh, so it would, it would perhaps be the case that defaultists would only create worlds out of default, um, you know, uh, library items, right? Um, they would only use the default tree, maybe. Uh, or something like that, but they would uh, still be able to build worlds and populate them because those are things that you can do by default. Um, right. Well, and that's what I like about this is because it feels like other, you know, religions that we have where there's just so much, you know, there's this core principle of defaultism, but right. there's so many different places you can draw the line. Exactly. Right? And it's impossible to actually know like the thing you're trying to guess at, which is the mind of the simulator is still inaccessible to you. So there is, uh, the uh, possibility for endless heresy and, um, theological argument uh, right. in, inside so, these yeah. communities. Yeah. So some people might think it's heretical to make your own tree at all, but other people might say, no, you can make a tree as long as it's the default tree and you don't edit it after the fact. Right. Uh, and then other people could say, no, you can edit it, but you can't, you just can't make it do have like impossible physics or something right. you know i mean as long as it any doesn't grow upside down you can you know you can edit it within the range of real trees or even within the range of realistic trees right but then yeah there's i think different defaultists are going to draw the line different places and you could even imagine sort of you know orthodox and reform defaultism where like you know some people take it super seriously and live a kind of you know amish or lubavitch type life um, where they really, and other people just use it to mean we don't do extraordinary stuff, but other than, you know, we just live in a world where, um, it's like the world we live in right now, except no one dies and no one has kids, you know? Um, I like that. I think having two camps like simplifies it enough for our world, but I, I really like the idea that there's the more orthodox sect and the less orthodox sect and that they hate each other right right well they distrust each other because they both you know it's like any other schism in religion they they think the other one is uh you know um misinterpreting god's will um or if you want to take a more cynical view you know they they think that having two of them puts the lie to them being the one true way you know um 
But yeah, now, on, I think that's really interesting. And I like the idea of defaultism being somewhat in opposition to... Because the thing about the defaults is the kids are off, death is off, pain is low. These things are not natural, right? They're not the way earth life was. So if you wanted to set up a world that was like earth life, you couldn't also be a defaultist. Those would be different things. Yeah, and actually I do have that I do have that kind of philosophy on my on my outline. Uh so we can just wait to skip to that, but I think that's interesting that those two philosophies could exist in the same place and could be in an argument with each other about who was the more properly conservative viewpoint. <laughs> Right? Yeah, they're, they're kind of na- defaultism and earth naturalism. Earth naturalism or... or like natural dogmatism. I'm trying to come up with a word for what this is, but it's like... Or I keep thinking of them as retro people, but All that right. doesn't turn into like a... Like a retroism doesn't sound... That, or maybe that but, does work. Okay. Re- I don't know. Retro makes me think, though, that it's like set up like it's the 90s or something, which I think there would there would be that too. Um, although... Like, I, I feel like retro is an aesthetic rather than, um, like, whether or not death is allowed kind of thing. Sure. Maybe that's, like, an, more of an art movement term yeah. than, uh, than some, like it is now, than, than, than a religion. Right. Um, so, yeah, maybe some kind of naturalism or something. Maybe we'll just call it naturalism for now. Okay. I mean, I think so, so, so we have a way to talk about sure. it. But, yeah. Sure. The, the naturalist and the defaultist would be sort of natural ideological opponents. They'd be enemies sure. because they both think that they are being, like, appropriately conservative, but they're conserving different things. And uh, I, I find that to be a more interesting fight than a, you know, conservative versus liberal fight, <laughs> which is just they value, you know, like the values are different. But this you mean like within default, the, the, the fight within defaultism that we were talking about? Uh, no, I think that's cool. I, I guess I was seeing oh, like, like in- uh, a liberal uh, religion that's like you shouldn't worry about the defaults like that's not I mean, obviously, lots of people will be acting that way but those don't feel like bitter enemies those feel like two different societies that grow apart from each other where like the defaultists and the naturalists are fighting for the same space <laughs> there that's right yeah so I, that, they have a more interesting fight to me and then like the the orthodox versus conservative uh defaultist idea also or orthodox versus liberal uh uh, defaultist idea also appeals to me because they're fighting for the same space too. They're fighting for like, you know, the right to define what is defaultism. Again, right now we're we're not talking about the naturalists because we're inside this heading of like the simulators should be sort of served, and I don't think that's that compatible with naturalism. We can come back to that, but right, right, uh, that's we, that that seems like it's something to do with. It feels more subversive, right? I mean, the way Earth but, was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but w- within this world of uh, trying to serve the simulators and learn their desires, uh-huh. there, um, there's also this idea we've talked about before of looking for meaning, not in the default settings, but in the execs answers by hyper parsing the way the exec responds to certain questions. Uh, we talked about the the dialogues text, right? I don't know if that's a defaultist text or a text for a different religion. It could certainly be a defaultist text, right? Mm. Um, but uh, there, you know, we had this idea that like someone would, you know, transcribe their dialogue with the exec that they had, you know, when they first arrived in the simulation, um, and that you know they asked a lot of fundamental questions and. You know, a lot is read. I mean, obviously, the exec gives very curt, simple answers, so you'd have to do a little bit of reading into it. Uh, but you know, religions are good at that. So, 
Um, I don't know. Yeah, I still think that's a cool idea, like this foundational religious text that's like dialogues with the exec. Right. I don't, yeah, I don't know if that's part of defaultism or if that's sort of something else, maybe. Right. It seems like maybe um, the founder of said religion would be the person who's dialoguing, and maybe they have some interesting background where they're particularly kind of thorough or good at this. Um, maybe they're a computer programmer, or maybe they're a psychologist, or maybe they're a religious scholar or something. And they wake up in, you know, the same Serengeti that everyone else does. And they start asking these questions and they end up sort of, you know, in their mind, sort of getting a complete picture uh, of what, you know, maybe they asked the most hundred most important questions that they had, you know, spent their life thinking about or something. And uh, they get these answers and that starts to float around as a kind of religious text, like you're saying. I think that's very cool. And I think that if we can generate something like that, the, the endless interpretation of that is where it gets really exciting, right? So then we don't necessarily need to write out the whole document, but if we have a good quote from it that we think is meaty or something, and then three different characters are using that to justify their actions in three different ways or something, that's, uh, that's cool. Yeah, and it might be that the person who asked those questions and transcribed them is kind of, is sort of the the founder, and right, maybe the religion is named for them, right? Maybe right. it's not. Yeah, it's not any kind of defaultism. It's just about, like, parsing the intentions of that original. So it's like Lesterism or something, because, like, Lester yeah. asked all these really good questions and then wrote it all down and distributed it, you know, by memorization or something. I like the idea that, because, right, because we can't transfer files between worlds. So that's right. So I like the idea that his his acolytes, you know, in a very kind of biblical way, all decided to go and memorize his hundred question document. Uh they sat there in this like monk world for a year and they memorized it and then they went out into the world and started repeating it to other people and writing it down in different worlds. And uh of course each one got it slightly wrong, which created a bunch of different, you know, gospels and you know, like you can do a whole, you could spin out a whole thing. I, I like the idea of there being like a kind of, maybe this interfaces with the legend of Jerry too. Like, because uh, he's the guy who ultimately, um, like got the God password for the, for the. Well, no, he's someone right, who met he? a, met a terrible end. <laughs> oh, he's the one who got, he who, like got who, stuck who, in, who got in, stuck uh, in, like, like this kind of limbo where his oh, like okay. senses were destroyed and he couldn't. So he's a contact. different legendary figure. Okay. He's a he's a cautionary tale. Yeah. So we keep him as legendary Jerry, but uh, we could have a different legend, uh, legend of Lester, who you know he, uh, maybe he is the one who sort of escaped. Like maybe nobody knows where Lester is, and the legend is that he, you know, got out of the box somehow, got God power, got the admin password or whatever. Um. Sure, maybe he, yeah, he disappeared adds to, or nobody quite knows who he is, right? So that kind of adds to, maybe they never existed, right? And someone Maybe else, he's like, apocryphal, right? Or maybe he's pseudonymous, yeah. like uh, Satoshi Nakamoto or something. Um, right, so, and, and there could be all these rumors and hints about that that are maybe happening throughout the story. It might be a fun red herring, because maybe you start to think that, like, the guy who's, you know, trying to let him into the club is is secretly that guy or something sure um and, then, and one of the things i like about the text too is like ostensibly if the if the exec is super consistent mm -hmm. then you would think that the answers that the exec gives in the 
in the dialogues would be the same answers that everyone would get. Right. So they would be, so that a lot of parsing the text is parsing the questions too. It's like, what was the intent of Lester in asking the question this way? Right. So they're not even just right. like studying the answers, which is like, makes more sense because that's actually coming from the simulators. Right. But most of the answers would be yes or no anyway. Right. So it would be, yeah, I think a lot of the, a lot of the, work would be in parsing the questions and like like uh, yeah i think there'd be some like questions. some like uh you know lionizing and and deification of like of of this person this ordinary person that asks the questions right like that's what makes it like that's what makes it like have a religious flavor and not just like a science flavor right because yeah ostensibly you could do this in an or ask questions in an organized way as a with more of a science mindset uh but the fact that like this particular questioner and the particular series of questions they asked is like somehow like treated reverently. Right. 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 And it can have um, a story behind it. Like, you know, that makes it seem like he was the special person to ask the questions. Um, but yeah, maybe he gets it. a different answer to one question that like, is like, do I, should I share this with others or something? And it says yes. And like, like, no, like, that's not the normal answer you get, right? It's like the implication being like he only got that answer because he was who what he was, right? Oh, maybe. Uh, yeah, we have to figure that out. But yeah, it could be something like that. Like, he gets an unusual answer to a question. Uh, and yeah, so, okay. So, so, so we've got uh, defaultism. Uh, we've got, I guess, Lesterism. It's, I think I've just names. called it Lesterism. Maybe we can change that That's later. But... I mean, you know, or dialogism or whatever. Right. Uh, but, uh, like a, a third thing and all, all these things can kind of interact. Um, it's just people claiming that they have an inside track, right? These are your profits, right? Like sure. I have spoken to the exec and it has told me things it hasn't told other people. Um, or I have spoken to the simulators directly. They appeared to me in my home world, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think this raises the question of like, okay, obviously people are going to sell snake oil and make this stuff up. Oh, yeah. I think, I think, I mean, that's our stance, I think, as authors is that these people are charlatans, I guess, you know. Or they're being taken advantage of by a charlatan, right? Like, let's say somehow you get tricked and somebody ends up with some admin rights on your world and you're not totally aware of it. They could totally appear to you in like a fantastical way and be like, we are the simulators and this is what we want. Right. Like you could be the, this could be the victim of a charlatan or it could be the charlatan. And so there's still some mystery there, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think it's, it's worth asking the question of like, how do you, I don't want to derail too far into this. Cause it's almost like a, a, it'd be like our, how to commit murder episode. It's like a whole, you know, tangent, but it's like, how do, how do you actually game the system to sort of build credibility? Like, how do you create the impression of miracles, right? That aren't miracles, right? In a world where kind of miracles happen all the time, right? Because, you know, you can do so much already in the simulation. Like, how do you, how, if, if I am a prophet and I want to persuade you that I have the inside track and I know the mind of the simulators and they've, they treat me specially and talk to me directly, like, how do I... How do I do that? Uh, well, one I mean, thing I, that yeah. comes to mind, I don't know how, did you, do you have answers for this? Or? Uh, only kind of, only kind of. Okay. Well, one thing that comes to mind is, you know, one miracle that we don't have happening in this is like time travel of any kind. Mm -hmm. So if you can predict the future, 
um, to a degree of accuracy, uh, that would probably make you seem like you had the inside track. And of course, it would be possible to elaborately stage um, any given event <laughs> uh, that you might predict. Um, obviously, people who are savvy would try to um, evaluate what the prediction is that you're making. Um, but uh, I think it'd be potentially possible to make a prediction and then fake, you know, and then cause the thing to happen. Right, yeah, if you knew somebody in power or somebody who could, like, make something happen for you, right. Right, or like, somebody yeah. could disguise themselves as somebody else and be an agent or something like that. Um, you know, it, obviously, this is a sort of vague uh, category of ideas rather than an idea itself. But, um, you know, I th that's one thing that you could do if you wanted to uh, freak people out. You could say, go to this world at this time. You're going to see, you know, this happen. I won't even be there. It couldn't possibly be me. But... Um, you know, so, you know, you've basically hired people to go and do it. Got it. Yeah. So one, so you could be a prophet because at one point you accurately predicted the future. Yeah. And then maybe uh, you staged this multiple right. times yeah. and now you have a track record. People have, you know, there's recordings of it and stuff like that. So now when you predict things, people take it seriously. All right. I'm going to call that like predictionism or something. Sure. Um, I guess the other thing I thought of is like, um, uh, you know, you might be able to to use other people uh, to stage something, right? Mm -hmm. um, like, you might be able to use actors or something that aren't actually... Or even just people that you tricked, right? Right. Um, you might be able to sort of stage it so it looks like you have, like, an incredible control over other people, Right. Um, like, let's say I, How we so? talked about this before. Like I claim I have the root password or whatever. Right. right? I okay. have like, and so, so you know, I say, I if you really have the root password, make me smack myself or something like that. Is that what you're thinking or? Well, probably I can't do that, but maybe I, maybe I do it to someone else in front of you. Ah, right. And make a random person but, smack themselves and then you do. But my, but the trick is you planted all these random people or something. Yeah, either that person is an actor that's like part mm -hmm. of my confidence scheme, mm -hmm. or that's someone else that I like trapped in like a bad contract where they're I have like I have I do have control over them, but like through some kind of trickery that happened before, not because like because basically I got them to sign a bad contract of their own volition, like not because I'm actually like hacking their their mind file right. as I'm claiming, um, right. So yeah, so if you could somehow create, a, if you could somehow stage a miracle that looked like you had like had power over individuals, right? That that might might convince people of something. I don't know. That mm -hmm. seems hard to do, though. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, all of this is hard to do. Although you know, uh, modern day religions don't actually regularly produce miracles. So obviously, you just have to talk about well, it. Well, religions or... don't have to not be lies to work, right? I mean, the purpose yeah. <laughs> of a religion is um, to create a community by uh, uh, basically making a really costly signal that you are part of that community. Essentially, the more nonsensical their beliefs, in a way, the better that works, right? <laughs> the more obviously yeah. wrong the beliefs are, when you stand up in front of everybody and you say, I believe that, you know, Gazorpazorp or whatever uh, made us all, um, then, then you are really paying that price because you're looking like a fool to anyone who isn't part of your religion. <laughs> um to uh to 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 be part of that group so i think you know 
their beliefs can be bonkers. Um, they don't have to be. Uh, they don't have to make any sense at all. <laughs> well, once you claim to know the have like inside communication with the simulator, yeah, I mean you can relay what they're telling you, and that could just be totally insane stuff, of course, right? right? Like, right. yeah, uh, yeah, they're super intelligent uh, alien bees that span galaxies, and uh, we are inside the one square of a honeycomb of one of them, or I mean any number of weird things you could say, right? Um, so. Uh, yeah, what what can we call this category, right? Like, I still like this idea of the root, or uh, but like 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 this idea that you have inside your uh, your profit with like inside knowledge, um, like, um, so like sort of a uh, it's just like this? we're just saying like uh, contact with the simulator is like the is that the key thing that differentiates? Or, well, and or and we're claiming to have special privileges, right? Which Contact is the is the smallest version of that, right? Because they can tell you things like the future that's that, going to happen. That would be a special privilege. Would be yeah, it's like a s subcategory, a special privilege. But maybe they also like, you also claim that they gave you other special privileges, right? Right, like, right. So right, so that makes sense. So it's like um, super user rights or contact with the simulator. Uh, super user. Right. I like the phrase super user. I'm going to put super user and use that as my like reference. Yeah. That's the same as root. It's just another. Um, same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like, and that's, that's like kind of, so again, that's like, an, that's a built around a cult of personality, right? Like the, like the Lesterism or the dialogism is like somebody who asks some good questions and like right. transcribe them. Right. Well, it's like, also this is... uh, extending the metaphor, right? Because this has, this world has users and admins, right? Like everybody experiences that that's real um so you would perhaps start to just theorize that well if this is a computer-like world with users and admins it might also have a root or super user account right like uh right but the but you need you need that personality uh to claim that right Right. They Either are they actually person. think they really are the super user or they think they've yeah. contacted the super user or they think they've been given some or all of the super users' privileges by the the by the simulators or something like that. But that's what I, that's what I'm saying. Like that's what separates uh, the super user religion and the Lesterism religion. They're like built around a singular personality, most likely. Right. Whereas defaultism doesn't really require that. Right. Uh, right. Right. Defaultism is a series of traditions, whereas Lesterism is a messianic religion. That's what you're talking about. Messianic. Yeah. 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 And and so, and so is the super user religion. That's also a messianic. Right. Religion. So those are more similar to Buddhism or Christianity or Islam. Oh, Islam is half and half, but uh, it's more similar to Shia Islam. But. Uh, well, okay, uh, but oh, not so as similar up... to like say Judaism, which is more like defaultism. It's like uh, it's like a bunch of people who follow or like Amish practice. Like you, you follow a bunch of rules, and that's it's not about a person. It's about a agreed upon bunch of rules. Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. and uh, since you brought up uh, some actual real world religions, yeah, uh, I think that's the last category I have with. We're still talking about people who want to serve the simulators as if they are gods. And I think, you know, one theory, too, is that the simulators are just whatever traditional pre-transition god or gods I already believed in right. are just the simulators, and this is some kind of test or afterlife or purgatory that's just continuing 
uh, with the same like religion that I had before the transition, right? Right. So, so if you're a Christian, you be believe Christians. this is the aftertimes, basically, right? You're like, okay, rapture happened, and we are one or the other groups. <laughs> We're not sure which one we are. We're going to write something like that. Yeah, that's right. That's like, so sure. Or, or, or this is, or you're already... Or we're all people that died and went to purgatory or something, and it's some kind of test. Right. Uh, or, you know, whatever you, whatever, however it graphs onto your particular religious beliefs, you just kind of adapt it, and the simulators are just, this is just the latest step in God or God's plan. Um, sure. Right. Yeah, I think anybody who was a strong believer before or grew up in a strong religious context would have a chance of, you know, just finding this whole thing to just be proof of God and, you know, God existed in the first place, basically. Right. So this is like, yeah. uh, you know, just sort of like, like, like pre-transition gods are the simulators, right? Like, I can't think of a shorter way sure. to say that. But sure. Like, exactly. Um, yeah. Okay. So Which that's also why implies I that the previous world was also a simulation, but just not uh, one that was obvious to you. <laughs> Well, I mean, it was a creation of the God. Exactly. So, I mean, that's like a simulation. I mean, it's such a blurry thing, right? It, it, it becomes a hard distinction to make when, once you start looking at it that yeah. way. I mean, I realize I keep saying simulator, simulation, and it's like, you know, I'm probably, well, for the duration of this podcast, we'll keep talking like that. But it's just, it's never quite the right term anyways, because... Well, because it doesn't I, have this uh, aspect of um, of tricking you, Right. Yeah, like it's not, it doesn't have the deceit. So it's not like trying to fake anything. It just is what it is, right? But uh, the the aspect of it is that it's, that is simulatory is like that it simulates um, earth physics and such like that. That's right. Yeah. For humans to live inside it. But yeah, you're right. It's not, it's not a simulation in the way we normally think of one in like the Matrix or something because part of our fundamental premise was we thought it was silly that people wouldn't know. Um, or just that, that that is an idea that's been been dealt with too much to to be useful anymore. Yeah, it's not silly. I mean, I th- I think it's fair game to to tell those stories, but yeah, that's not what we're doing. They've just been told uh, a lot of times. It's hard to tell one of those stories well at this point. You end up having to really, you know, pull a lot of tricks on people to keep them in in the dark about that part. So instead, let's just you know move past that. Um, but I yeah, I agree. It's it it's not. It is still a simulation, but it is not a um, it is not a trick. Okay, so everything we've talked about so far, again, is all. all imagine this all in this first category right. of the simulators are some kind of benevolent or important gods that we should try to serve. Right. Uh, now, there's the obvious opposite category, which is that the simulators are are they're devils, right? Uh, they should be resisted. Uh, they are bad, right? right? Um, and this is, I think, one place that naturalism comes in to bring that back. Right, uh, right, right. Yes. Be- because I think that that makes the most sense for me. If you're a naturalist, you basically, that's kind of a rejection. I mean, not completely, because obviously there are some defaults that do preserve, you know, gravity and natural seeming physics, and presumably you would just go along with that. But to the extent that the, that right. things are different from how they used to be on Earth. Right. You would try to undo that, make things back how they used to be. Right. Right. And convince because other like, people to do the same. Right. So, because right. this is also a kind of um, 
a, a, a missionary religion. Like you would want to get other people to resist the devil with you and, you know, go to earth too, that you've created to be just like regular earth um, and help you in the project of living the way we used to live to show them that that was right. That's right. Yeah. And, and so it could be that, um, you know, why are you resisting? I mean, if you actually, maybe you actually, if it's sort of a Christian type theology, maybe you actually think the simulators are the devil and this whole eternal life and build your own world, however you want it thing is, is some kind of temptation. It's an elaborate test. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you have all this choice, but if we don't choose the like, you know, traditional approved thing, then we're failing or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so that may be, maybe that's the, like the most common strain of naturalism, just cause that's easy to understand. I think, but I think you could, you could arrive at this result maybe from different paths. Uh, but I think in, in, you're generally, you're, it seems like, feels like you're resisting the simulators if you're choosing to do this. Yeah. Um, so I, cause so yeah, I think that this is we need this naturalism in our story, I think, because so many of the when we're talking about like ways you could commit murder uh in in the constellation, which is part of our plot, um there were so many of those paths that involved, you know, well, if you went to a naturalist world where people actually preserved regular death, right? Right. Then that becomes possible, and right, I think right, this right. But this if you religion, think about the reasons to create naturalist worlds, there aren't that many of them that make sense. This is one. I mean, you could have some thrill-seeking environments. I think that's the other one that makes a certain amount of sense. But yeah. that's basically it. You'd have some like sort of Wild West-type worlds that are wild on purpose um, because that's what the people who go there want. Um, and then you'd have a lot of worlds, I think, that are naturalist um, and that follow not just the rule of allowing death, but also are very earth-like in other ways. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, that makes so, sense. Uh, you know, to the down to like recreating, maybe there's a whole project to like, cause they have all this uh, database of pre-transition scans, right. That they can draw upon. Maybe they're like fully recreating oh, yeah. cities. Like, oh, like, yeah, they should be fully slow... recreating earth. I mean, there should definitely be an earth too somewhere. That's just, you know, they're a, a large project that's maybe not done yet where they are just slowly going across the whole world recreating it from the data and trying to get as many people to come in and populate it as possible. And of course these people who are naturalists would be dying, but they'd also be having children. I would imagine potentially at a quite a clip. Yeah. Well, and it shows like actually there'd be, I think a, a, a partnership of maybe different people, right? Cause I think maybe your most mm-hmm. uh, like dedicated people are these people that have like sort of a religious ideology where it's like resist the devil. Right. But then I think you'd also have some people that would just sort of be followers because this is comfortable. This is what I remember, old earth, right? Yeah, I think a lot of just sort of small C conservative sort of personality types would like naturalism because, you know, for the same reason that people uh, purport to like nature, (laughs) you know, like it just seems like, well, this is what people did before. This is a good first guess at what will make me happy. Yeah, that's right. Now, I mean, I th- I'm sure there'd still be like a very large audience for people like an Earth two that doesn't have death, right? <laughs> that just has like the comfortable, like things you recognize. Sure, that's like, like a more of a retro world. Like visit Earth, you know, as yeah. a tourist destination. Uh, maybe it's 
earth at a particular year or something but yeah absolutely I think yeah so there'd be like parallel earth projects i suppose but yeah the one the one we're interested in here is the one that's like it's sort of an act of resistance um mm-hmm. and uh but this isn't okay so the naturalism is not the only way to resist right and what else can you uh, think of um so one is maybe try to escape right we're stuck Right. Right. How do we how do we get out? Um, one way you maybe think you can get out is to delete yourself. Uh, that's not a super self-sustaining. Right. Religion. It's a little bit like the imagine. Shakers. Yeah. You could have a cult that does that, but then they all die. Um, But I think, you know, maybe there's some other. I mean, again, if you have a, a messiah or a prophet, somebody could have any number of theories on like, this is how you escape. Right. And maybe it's all bogus. In right. Fact, it probably is. Right. But uh, but that could be that could be the organizing principle behind a religion is that we're we're trying to escape like like escapism although that's a different <laughs> word yeah. with a normally different meaning. Sure, but, I mean, and this is where that other uh, uh, Lester idea potentially comes from too, which we you know there's maybe a person who escaped or a legend of a person who escaped, and maybe they escaped by getting the admin code, or maybe they escaped a different way, um, but that is what everyone is trying to do in the religion and they look up to this figure who may or may not have really done it you know and maybe he actually was a charlatan or something um that could be something that gets revealed but uh that could be the kind of structure yeah yeah i think that's i think that's interesting i think there's not a lot else to say about that one because it's just sort of like there's a lot of specifics is like well how do you escape right like and that could be like uh, some very convoluted story well what yeah i mean i i feel like the the answer from fifty thousand feet is you don't actually escape right like no one escapes there is no escape whatever this is this is it's a sealed box so if you delete yourself you're just deleted and that's that and um right but what's the snake oil story it's like yeah there could be any number of cool snake oil stories yes yeah like you build a world this way and you stay in it for 10 years and then you build a world this way and you stay in it for another 10 years. And like, if you follow this sequence of steps, right. Like what's the reason. equivalent of like in the Truman show when he goes sailing on the water, right. And he like reaches the edge of the set, you know, it's like, there's something you would do that would maybe reveal to you the edge in some way. Well, okay. And so the, I think it's, this leads into the next idea too, which mm-hmm. is like, um, you could also try to resist and this could be more secular, I suppose, by sort of trying to glitch things or break things or like drain their computing resources. Right. Like actually sure. trying to misuse the simulation on purpose, right. you know, trying to spawn infinite worlds, uh, trying to find ways to copy things endlessly, you know, trying to... Right, or trying to to build a computer that runs a simulation. Yeah, all the things that we've talked about, uh, like, that there are safeguards to prevent. Right. Um, You know, people would be sort of pushing against those. I think... I think that blurs the line between, you know, religion and science very much so. So I think this is... I think this is definitely a movement or an organization of people. I don't know that it has very much in common with religion, um, but there's definitely like like a, a, a glitch organization or something. Yeah, that, I, like, I like the idea that there's a sort of religious belief among some people that, um, that like 
a glitch uh, will lead to a great revelation or a great salvation, you know, where it's like the there are science people out there trying to glitch the system because that's something that's something that some science people would want to do. Uh, but then some subset of them or some people who aren't even them have this belief that those people are going to sort of save us, save us all by, you know, opening up the rip in time space or whatever that, you know, uh, uh, will lead to our glorious salvation, whatever that Yeah, means. it would be one of those things where there'd be a lot of misinformation. There'd be people doing like real science-y work and people just trying to graft onto that and and borrow it for the snake oil stories that we were uh, referring to yeah and there might even be some connection between those two groups of people like some of them might be the same people um in the same way that like you know newton also did alchemy and stuff you know like sometimes a science person also believes some nonsense (laughs) right and if you want to convince people that it is possible to escape uh, you could have the legend of the famous escapee, or you could also like show them some cool glitch thing you figured out. Right, right. Uh, and that's a kind of miracle, right? Right. Uh, a glitch is a miracle, right? Especially if it's something where you could, you know, strobe between two worlds or do something else that is like normally not allowed by the system, but you figured out a crazy workaround, and maybe it, you know, maybe it's limited in the way that it works or something, but it's it it shows that there is a system out there to be broken you know it shows like sort of the cage walls um that's cool yeah that's cool uh okay so that's all i have for you know resisting the simulators right um now so the next categories are i think those really are the main ones the next ones get a bit fuzzier and farther afield from uh, religion right well, maybe a, not. Se- a central tenet of religion is that there's some kind of organizing intelligence right so uh the sims are analogous to gods or they're analogous to devils uh but if we get obviously the 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 category of people who don't think either of those things a lot of those people are just going to be atheist right um Right, right. So, like, another possibility uh, on my list here is that, like, the simulators, yeah, are somehow ambiguous. Like, we, we're not, not necessarily God or devils, right? They they need to be studied and, and theorized. And, again, this, I think, leads to a more secular science type of view. Right. Um, where, again, lots of people will be very interested in trying to glean the simulator's possible motives, and but will have, you know— the the requisite humility about that they won't assume that they have the answer <laughs> they will you know they will take a more of a science approach of let's you know let's learn what we can through ex- you know experimentation um and you know you've got your standard theories that you know you might have for why someone would simulate you right like they are trying to do an experiment of some kind and so uh or they're trying to you know we're some sort of entertainment for them right um you know and this leads to the like you know that uh that one robin hansen blog post where he talks about like how do you keep the simulators happy if we live in a simulation all things equal what would you do more or less of in a simulation and it's like it 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 leads you to some sort of weird stuff like trying to uh, induce more historically important events in your timeline and trying to get physically closer to those events um Right, because you just figure, like, if they're watching this, like, a TV show, for lack of a better analogy, right, Right. you want to be interesting because, like, I think the ultimate goal here is, like, 
how do you avoid shutdown is a big part of it, right? right. Like, uh, we're in this like simulation, somebody's made it so somebody could turn it off. So it's kind of existentially important that we prevent that from happening. Right. Um, so again, I don't, maybe none of this quite qualifies as religion, but there's definitely, these are going to be sects or groups or organizations that are, that are pushing at all these threads here. Right. And um, to the extent that there's like a sort of non-religious group of people, um, in the simulation, they don't, unlike our atheists in our world today, they don't necessarily believe that God doesn't exist. They rather believe that like God is a person with some kind of person-like inscrutable goal and, um, it may not be worth my time to think too much about it, or maybe I should just use science to try to figure out what I can about it. Um, but well, I think in this category, I'm assuming that it is, they are treating it as worthwhile to think about it, but they don't claim to have the answers, but it's not something that we can easily get answers to. Right. Or verify. And they don't, yeah. And they don't like, they're not typecasting the simulators into certain roles like God or devil. (laughs) They're just saying like, you know, maybe they're right. They could be indifferent to our existence or they could be whatever. Um, yeah. And, and so that leads to trying to figure out their motives and trying to avoid shutdown. Right. Um, then another, and then the last category I have is that the simulators are irrelevant, right? Like they should be ignored. They should, they're just part of the backdrop. And for example, this could, you know, a lot of people who don't want to change from their pre-transition religions, you know, um, you know, this is just a new backdrop setting maybe for those religions, right? Like, you know, the the environment has changed, but, uh, you know, I don't really want to change how I, how I practice my Christianity, for example. Right. right. Or specifically if you're like, say, uh, uh, an Eastern religion, like you're a Hindu or something. Yeah. You maybe might, that's an easier one. You might yeah. find that like this whole simulation thing is kind of irrelevant to what I was doing because I was just trying to achieve enlightenment and I'm just going to go right back to doing that, you know? Uh, uh, so, you, you know, I mean, like, I, it, it doesn't, it, it may just be sort of, uh, orthogonal to what your religious belief is. Um, yeah. Or you might, yeah, you might be able to just explain it away or, or pretend, or in some ways maybe even yeah, just sort of ignore it. Right. You know? <laughs> well, I think that another thing that would fall under this category, uh, that I was thinking about as we were talking about this is people who are, uh, just not convinced um, that human primacy, you know, has gone away uh, in the event of the simulation. So they're like, okay, well, we've been put into a simulation and we've been given all these things to that, that appear uh, to be sort of, you know, organized toward us uh, expressing ourselves and being, uh, you know, being fairly free. Um, so I guess... Humanity is the purpose of the simulation, and I don't really need to think about the Sims beyond that, which uh, maybe would lead me to a kind of religion that venerates humanity, like a kind of humanism, a kind of religious humanism. Yeah, yeah. That, like, you know, is all about pushing human potential and, um, you know, maybe about trying to explore enhancement, which is something else that we haven't really discussed yet uh, too much is like how much enhancement can you get away with and um, how much enhancement would people be wanting to do? Um, 
And, well, and yeah. Okay, I like that. And w- within that humanism maybe category, mm-hmm. that I, I didn't I didn't have that on my list, but I think that makes sense. Like, I think maybe it's a subset inc- of this irrelevant, like larger category, but it feels like a different su- subcategory of thing than someone who's just like taking their Buddhism over right in- into the into the sim. Um, but, I, but I feel like this humanism might encompass some other things that I had in here, like because I was thinking about you know if you are sort of treating the simulators as irrelevant and you're getting on with things, uh, then, which is, I think probably what a lot of people end up sort of actually doing. Right. Well, (laughs) I think this also interfaces a little bit with how long they've been in there, but after a certain amount of time, you may just, yeah, get on with things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think given that, Mm -hmm. um, there's still the search for meaning and there's still different philosophies or that you could follow to try to achieve meaning and, have, you could have very strong opinions about that. And again, maybe this is straying away from religion and more into self-help and ethics and other concepts, but I think maybe it falls under this humanist category because I'm just thinking of like sort of ways of living. Um, you know, for example, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you embrace, uh, I don't know, like, uh, well, novel experiences is one we've talked about with the club, right? I mean, that was in the context of a club, right? But that's that's like one kind of search for meeting. You could em- embrace uh, some weirder ones I thought of were like, because like this is all happening in this backdrop where you have this excess of choice and time and freedom, right? So you might respond, right. uh, maybe minimalism, right? Like maybe you want to uh, live in worlds that are very simple and sort of like rebel against the excess of choice that way. Or maybe, mm-hmm. maybe... Uh, subjecting yourself to randomness. I could imagine that being like kind of a philosophy. Sure. Um, because you can choose literally anything. Um, instead, maybe there's people that just sort of like venerate like the idea that, you know, we're just going to sort of like randomize things and, and live with them. Right. You know, because that's, um, that's you have the like freedom giving... to do that. Right. Cause you can yeah, do it's giving that without up some dying control. and without, you know, so yeah, it's true. You give up control, but you, you, uh, you can do that with enough um, confidence that you'll survive it, that that it's like worth it to just roll the dice sometimes. Um, yeah, I like that. I like the idea of sort of, a, you know, even assigning a random uh, number generator to, you know, to your exec to tell it to figure out what world to send you to next or, you know, really like kind of creating some rules um, that you yourself can stop at any time but that you kind of like allow to continue because why not yeah or like you know you live in a community of people where you know every year the dice just gets rolled again and like everybody's like the hierarchy in the community gets shaken up and maybe you're at the bottom maybe you're at the top and like maybe the rules are different and but it's just like a this random hand that you get dealt with and like that's that what sounds you gotta fun yeah play for that year because sure. like that's one way to keep yourself engaged and interested right. in this very you know what I mean? Yeah, and it's uh, not that you can't leave. You could. You just don't because that's part of your the commitment you've made. That's right. Yeah, I um, like that. So I, I like that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So okay. So yeah. I mean, I think that that was one of the more interesting ones I came up with. This sort of like idea of like worshiping randomness, but it's not really like worshiping, right? I don't. You don't. Again, it doesn't have to be religious. It could just be like this is this is our philosophy. You're valuing right? it as a source of um, 
you know, challenge and meaning for you as an, as a human being. Yeah. yeah. And I think it ties into like maybe the broad, a broader one. It's not exactly the same, but another one I had is this idea of like unnecessary obstacles, which I've talked about on the podcast before. This comes from that philosopher, Bernard Suits. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how he, that's how he defined a game is like, like the voluntary pursuit of unnecessary obstacles. And he makes a kind of like very futurist utopian argument where he says like, well, you know, if you actually make it to utopia and you you know, you automate all the things that can be automated and, you know, there's no lack of resources, then what are people going to do for meaning? And his whole argument was, you know, you're going to have to invent unnecessary obstacles to overcome. Um, oh, yeah. Sort of- and game building should be a gigantic pastime and occupation and game playing would be a big part of people's lives for sure. That's right. So I think that, yeah, so, so sort of like, uh, yeah, you could just call this game playing. And I think it's, it's not exactly the same as the randomness thing, but obviously there's, there's obvious synergy there. It's like they overlap a little bit. Right. Right. Um, well, game playing is the human designed version of yeah. that, as opposed to using a random thing to generate some of those same things. Um, because sometimes you would use the random thing and you would just end up somewhere boring where it was somewhere you'd been before and not that interesting. You'd, you'd deal with it, but it wouldn't, you know, wouldn't challenge you in the same way that like a well-designed game would challenge you. That's right. I get, yeah, randomness implies like you you want there to be no design sort of on purpose. Right. Uh, like like if you take that far enough, whereas like game playing is like usually the randomness happens in, in a sort of more designed context. Um Right. I already mentioned uh, minimalism and novelty. Um, I think maybe reproduction, right? Just like how many kids can we have, right? We talked about some people would sort of. Sure. uh, And since there are limits on on that, you know, there could be sort of like child making cults for sure that are like, again, trying to experiment maybe scientifically, maybe like more with rituals and, uh, you know, less scientifically um, to try to overcome the limits or to try to figure out how to have the most kids or you know whatever uh another like major source of like more like again i guess this is again i do think this sort of all falls under like humanism right this is all just like making meaning primacy of humanity that sort of as 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 a human Yeah. yeah uh is just trying to trying to make meaning for yourself by doing good and we've referenced in the past uh like certain ways this could like, you know, there could be all the certain number of lost infants, right? Like, you know, every right. like baby ends up in its own home world at the beginning. Most of them probably have uh, mothers that come find them or fathers that come find them or whoever. Uh, but maybe some of them don't get found. And so maybe um, there's an organization that goes around trying to find those, you know, unclaimed children. Right. That, that researches and then tries to locate any children or vulnerable people who may have been left behind. Yeah. That's cool. I like that as being like a, you know, doctors without borders kind of thing, like a sort of whole organization of people who are searching through all the old records, trying to find anyone who might've gotten left behind. Uh, and then I also like the idea of, um, people who maybe their whole project is to, hold to account and punish those who did wrong before the transition because all of that data is now available. Oh my God. Kind of the Nazi hunter type oh, type Jesus. personality. Um, you know, and they might have a whole blacklist world where they've like, you know, 
scored and like because you can't really hold people to account in the normal way because it's like if i know that you were like a terrible mass murderer pre-transition and i have like incontrovertible evidence i still can't like i can't put you in jail unless you agree to it oh and we should mention everyone who was in jail woke up in the same serengeti as everyone else right so that's right all the criminals are free all the criminals are free and they can go wherever they want um now they are subject to the same uh, contracts as everyone else. Um, so they can't necessarily go where they want and then just start killing people, but they are not in any way constrained. So there would be prejudices and, um, obviously they wouldn't just be against people who were in jail. That's just one of the many identity groups that we have prejudices about and those wouldn't go away. So, uh, so people would do restrictive things, I would think. Um, and there would be some norms around restriction that would be, you know, probably unfair in some cases. And, you know, there'd be controversy about it and such. Right. And I guess I don't know exactly how it would play out over time, but I guess I imagine that, you know, inertia probably says that like, okay, that was, that was another, that was the pre-transition, right? Like whatever, you know, that doesn't like over time, I think people will just be like, yeah, you know, like, Who's going to keep track of all of that? Like that, that was a whole different reality. Well, a lot of those crimes are no longer relevant, right? It's like, if you can't murder people, then being a murderer isn't as such a dangerous thing. Right. right? Um, you know, some crimes would still be possible and perhaps the people who committed those crimes would still be ostracized in some ways. Maybe uh, when you get to the lobby of some worlds, they do some kind of a research check and if they can easily find out, uh, something about you then they don't let you in but that's right and and so yeah there might be some social norms around that but i guess i'm still thinking like the general trend would be you know to let that stuff slide mostly well if it's from the past but then there's also the question of people who commit crimes within well hang on but yeah but okay i just want to finish this like concept though i i but what i wanted to bring up was i like the idea of even though mostly you know letting bygones be bygones is kind of the natural stance Mm. because both you can't hold people accountable. They can't commit the same crimes. And it was a totally different reality that starts to feel like a distant past. Mm -hmm. Despite that inertia, I like the idea that there's a sect of people who's are singularly dedicated to maintaining the blacklist, maintaining the record and holding these people to account. And that is like their whole source of meaning in the constellation is the pursuit of that of right like the retributive making justice. sure yeah. the record does not get lost right we know what you did we are going to record it on a on a big directory world that records everyone's transgressions right we're going to make sure people know that get you shunned or maybe or something right? we're going to lobby to get you shunned and kicked out of worlds if we can right where leverage points exist right, right. So well that, and maybe that's wanted, you yeah. could turn yourself into them if you did do something wrong and maybe they would, you know, put you on a torture world for some period of time and then erase your name from their list, you know, or mark it as debt paid or something. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Maybe you, maybe you can pay the bill because I mean, yeah. look, yes, yeah, so they would want to hold people to account, but this is a world of infinite life. So at some point, I mean, I don't know how irrational these people are. Maybe they're, Maybe they're just like, fuck it. But uh, <laughs> but like, you know, at some point you've paid your debt, right? I mean, even if you believe in that sort of retributive justice, um, you know, I mean, we could do things 
that you can't do in the real world. So if you did a crime, that same crime could be committed against you maybe a hundred times, right? Like if you stab somebody, you could go to a world where you get stabbed a hundred times and, uh, and then maybe they erase your name off of the stabbing list. Um, yeah, I don't know how, you know, um, you know, eye for an eye, their sense of justice is. Like, I mean, did you just have they... to feel the same pain that that person felt? Do you have to suffer for the same amount of time as they suffered for? Maybe, like, but, 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 but maybe it's not even, maybe it's just, you know, it's just years, you know, in, in jail world. Right? Sure. So it like... could just be a symbolic equivalence of like X number of years in like a torturous environment. Right. But it doesn't have to be torturous. I mean, like, I guess, like, I don't, I don't necessarily think this organization is so eye for an eye. Like, justice must be dealt the way that. Well, you even know, if they're like, like locking rich... you in a box, that's torture and some. I mean, I don't know. I guess sure. I'm just I, I, yeah, that sort I, I, of broadly. But I sure. guess I mean, like, this organization doesn't, in my head, it's. I guess it. I mean, there's a, definitely like a retribution like heavy like draconian retribution or like you know even proportional retribution like version of this but i guess i'm imagining that there also might be a much uh less harsh version of this that's just like no these things were wrong they shouldn't be forgotten right step one i do like the idea yeah that maybe like there's a the debt could be paid but yeah maybe paying the debt is can be done in other ways right right? well it could just be a number of years on the blacklist. I mean, if we want to make it yeah. like, I mean, like, you know, uh, the, the I, we, you, we've talked about this before in the old podcast and stuff like, you, you know, the kind of uh, justice that I think makes sense for criminal acts is some combination of uh, shunning and surveillance uh, typically uh, rather than locking someone in a box or doing physical torture to them or something like that. Um, and, you know, those uh those punishments are available to them so they could you know this could be it could be simply that they either uh um put your name on a list or that somebody they follow you around uh and publicize your past to whomever is around you um or something like that uh and then at a certain point they they deem that you have paid your debt and that stops um that could that's a simple version of it but i don't know i i kind of like them being retributive because that's like a strain in 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 human culture and it's fascinating to me and uh, uh there is this desire to punish wrongdoers that you know um even the nazi hunters like uh, you know they're not just doing it cuz they're like altruistic and they hate that nazis ever existed they're you know they want to punish people for what they did wrong and um, it's true, but the story that they tell themselves is that they're righteous. They don't tell a story of like, you know, I'm out here to, to because like this is this yeah. is a legal way to, you know, to hunt someone. Right? I, I mean, the more like, you know, nuanced and honest among them, I think do acknowledge that tension. Yeah, I maybe mean, maybe those. I, I, yeah, I, I, it's been a long time. I remember reading like Eli Wiesel's book Dawn many years ago, which is about him, you know, shooting a Nazi, isn't it, or shooting somebody in Palestine or something. And, uh, it's, you know, there's a mixture of righteous and righteousness and hatred <laughs> in, in that. If yeah. I, I guess know, I right? just imagine that for this to exist on a like very large organizational scale, which is what I think might happen. Yeah. 
um, and to have lots of volunteers and people like maintaining the blacklist and doing research for it and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like it would probably have the more sort of like cold sort of like institutional way that like things work, you know, now. Like more like the FBI than like, uh, uh, what's, you know, uh, what's his name going after Eichmann or whatever. Uh, I just feel like they'd have like, you know, the, the same way that like, you know, in, in the developed world, like, you know, yeah, prison is a kind of torture basically. And it's off like prisons are awful, like in many ways, like are inhumane, but it's like, you know, they still want to be able to tell themselves a story that like, this isn't cruel and unusual. Right. Because like, they don't, right. they don't want to, they don't want to be the head of the organization that is giving out cruel and unusual right. punishments. Cause that's right. not the story they want to tell about. Well, and un- unusual does a lot of work in that phrase. Right. I mean, of course. Yeah. Uh, jails are very usual. They, they have existed for a long time. They're very old. They're very established. And that's part of why you can do them, even though it's fairly obvious that locking someone in a small room by itself is already a torture. Um, and it does serious psychological damage. Um, but it's just something that we have done for so long. And uh, there was certainly a time when technologically it was really the only solution to certain societal problems. So you definitely understand why it exists. Um, and you know, it's, uh, there's a strong human desire for that. So yeah, I can definitely see, I can definitely see that strain. Uh, so that's, those were my main four categories at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and we covered a lot of ground there. I do have one extra note or topic, subtopic. Uh-huh. Um, but before I get into that, did, did was there anything that you wanted to talk about that I that I that we didn't get to? Well, just uh, not a separate heading, and I like talking about it this way. I think one thing that we didn't do much discussion of is just that the old religions would all, of course, come in to the new world as well and adapt to it, and some of that would involve sects of those religions. I mean, we touched on this earlier uh, in the podcast, but sects of those religions could create whole. Um, worlds or multiple worlds to, uh, you know, to facilitate their view of, um, of the cosmos. Yeah, we. Yeah, you're right. That exists in the category we're in, where the simulators are kind of irrelevant and the unchanged pre. Like uh, we talked about the humanism for a lot just then, but uh, before right. that, yeah. But you could the be, idea you that, could be yeah. uh, co- having the simulators be irrelevant and also still believing in your old gods, basically, um, or possibly conflating them but not conflating them in the sense of like we are going to invent new rules of dealing with the simulation uh, based on our religion, but rather we are just going to use the tools of the simulation to instantiate our religion's rules here on earth. Uh, I'm going to call this just like new, like, you know, new platformism or whatever. It's just like, yeah, it's, revival. Right, it's like a revivalism or something, right? Revivalism. It's like, like yeah. we've got a new, but, but we have like a, like a fundamentally new platform to work with here for right. reality we're just but we're just gonna build on the new platform our old religion exactly and maybe build it better <laughs> maybe build it better maybe build it with like tighter enforcement or like better miracles or something but like you know um this is where you get like the sort of amish world of like there's just a world that it's like technologically 1875 and you know people are following the religion that they followed then uh, or that people follow now in, in that part of the world. Uh, and that's just what it is. And, and there is like no way to even invent 
electricity in that world because they've just turned that off because why bother having the temptation, you know? Yeah. That sort and of I thing. think this might have a certain amount of, you know, again, you're ignoring the fact of the simulation. So there might be a certain amount of even denialism of like, well, we kind of pretend that, you know, things outside of our religion world don't exist. Right. We don't right. talk about them and enough time passes. It's kind of like they don't exist. Right. right? And we have I mean, like a council of elders that is like the admins and they're the only ones who can actually change, you know, the contract rules and they have all been sworn to uphold, you know, our, our vision of the world and their decisions and stuff like that. So, right. So you could, yeah, you could imagine basically just using all of this, freedom to lock something down in a particular way and then allowing people who want that to, you know, to join it and, and experience its limits. Well, and also, and this is the darker part, right? Like, uh, kids that are born into that world, I think given our current rule set would just never know that anything else existed, right? Yes. They would potentially never be told or they would be told that it was you know, a sort of sinful thing. Like I could imagine a sort of digital rum springer, you know, right? Like right. the maybe until you're 18 years old, you're just told, like, you just think that Amish world is the universe. And then on your 18th birthday, you're told like, well, actually, you know, there is this whole big world. We think it's sort of a temptation from the devil, uh, but we allow the young people to go out and experience it. So, you know, here's your whatever, here's your, you know, how much time you have or whatever the rules are and you know you come back uh, in three months or or you don't or something like that and maybe that's like the what a more ethical version of this religion would do and then like a less ethical version maybe just basically traps its kids there and you know that's interesting to me from a story point of view because our main character could come into contact with them maybe he's looking for a world where murder's allowed and uh you know ends up trying to save one of the kids or something like that or or has the desire to but can't do it or something like that i don't know that's interesting to me i think i mean the 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 rumspringa thing is a, is another source of newbies right that could also be yep. tricked yep. easily that could because be they don't he know could be getting, going how, after one yeah they don't know how contracts work necessarily <laughs> right well, even right. though they're they might not have not zero gen right right they might not have been given the opportunity or like they might not have the the what do you call it like the common sense to know that they shouldn't sign dangerous contracts because everything kind of looks dangerous to them or new. Yeah, that's right. So if you're like on you know you know marketplace world or whatever like big popular communal world, uh, you know, and then like a bunch of you know, uh, Amish people and they're like you know rumspring and show up, right? Yeah. Like that's like, you know, and they, they don't really know how anything works. Like they're easy marks for, I know, think this is the plot of Kingpin, plans. right? <laughs> uh, what's Kingpin? Isn't that, am I remembering the right way? It's, I think it's a, let me look is it, it up. a comedy Maybe. movie? It's a comedy, a like a silly comedy movie by the Farrelly brothers, 1996, about Woody Harrelson. Right, but there's also a bowling thing, which is why it's called Kingpin. I, I don't think, understand. I think it's about an in. Amish bowling um, prodigy. <laughs> if I remember this movie correctly, uh, I think it's about an Amish uh, bowling prodigy who uh, goes on his rumspringa or something and gets 
turned into a, you know gets corrupted by Woody Harrelson or something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I yeah, I, I remember this movie coming out, but yeah, that's. I, don't I mean, I'm looking else. at a poster of it right now, and it's like a pair of women's legs, and under the legs is Woody Harrelson and like somebody who's clearly Amish, looking out and smiling, and then there's some bowling balls underneath. So this is this is what I think the movie's about. Okay. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, I can't yeah, about, remember that much about it. But about corrupting them. I mean, look, it's an obvious. Yeah, like Woody Harrelson's story. like this hard drinking old bowler, and he like takes him under his wing, and you know, it's like. But he doesn't necessarily like like talk him into like something like 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 con him. Maybe he does. I yeah, know. I think he's trying to use him somehow. It has something to do with bowling. I don't remember the. Plot All right, details. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like, yeah, but that uh, that ties into our plot, though, right? Because that's again, that's a source of like an easy target, potentially. Maybe. Yeah, but then maybe he gets outsmarted by that target, and that, and that actually fails. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like that. I think that that's fun, and I like the idea of him going to a kind of uh, either an Amish world or like a like a Rumspringa world, like a world where some people are taking their Rumspringa and you know, kind of targeting the Amish there. That's fun, or like, yeah. Um, so, okay. So that's, I, I'm, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Cause that's some good stuff too, that we should be thinking about. Um, so the, the only other thing I wanted to mention, oh, yeah, bring that up. Mm-hmm. um, is this idea of how evangelism works, right? Cause like usually, uh, like religions try to grow. Right. Um, and one that we talked to, like I've been re-listening to our recent episodes, Sorry, my dog is. Is that uh, is that gumbo? <laughs> that is that's yeah, that's a gumbo. His I first appearance on the podcast. The 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 people downstairs have a dog that goes out in the yard, and I think that's might be why he's freaking out. Oh yes, because uh, the other dog is nearby, but he can't get to it. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so we talked about this idea that I wanted to just mention again because I thought it was interesting of uh, the fact that people's homeworlds are default listed. Yeah. So you can That's spam right, door call. to door door to door Mormons. Yeah, or yeah, exactly. Like you can just one way to do evangelism is to just work your way through the directory painstakingly, which sounds awful, but if you're a religious zealot, why not? Uh jumping into homeworlds looking for people that have never left, uh, that you can recruit, right? Yeah. Or just people who have not changed their settings, right? Um, yeah, you know, eventually like, you know, once this happens to you once and you've been annoyed by it, you, you, you might figure out to tell your exec like, Hey, <laughs> don't, don't let that happen anymore. Either you know? unlist me or have some sort of like a quick questionnaire for, you know, are you religious? <laughs> yeah. <If> so <laughs> eject. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like that. And I think, um, in general, this wouldn't be limited to just religions, scams and, legitimate enterprises would also advertise this way because there would be uncontacted people out there or people who just, you know, had gotten involved in something and sort of, you know, turned away from the world for a while. So yeah, you would be cold calling, cold showing up. This would be a cool potentially job for someone to have uh, if they wanted one, just, you know, on behalf of some organization showing up, uh, in strange people's worlds and, you know, sometimes getting shot and immediately ejected and sometimes having a conversation with them and finding that they're lonely or they're something and, uh, trying to sell them on whatever it is that you represent. I mean, this almost would be like a great, I don't know how we would explain it. 
it almost would like be like a great opening for a story. I don't know how it ties into anything to do with our plot. Yeah, but just to yeah, see yeah. someone like hopping into someone's home world, interrupting them, yeah, and talking to them, and then getting like and seeing the confused person in the home world who's like maybe this is the first time they've seen another person since the transition, and just right. like that that whole interaction. Uh, it feels like that'd be like a good opener, but I don't know. Yeah, it could be a chapter opener in. or a or a story opener. But I, I definitely like that. I like the idea of. You know, somebody who maybe looks a little bit like a traveling salesman, you know, has the suit and the briefcase or something, just sort of like walking through one of these Serengeti type environments and coming on someone fishing or something. And they've got like a long beard, <laughs> like they've been there a while or something. It, like, hey, oh, howdy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> talking to them about the type of fishing lure they're using or something, you know, trying to relate to them. And they're looking at this person like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been here for 20 years. I haven't seen another person <laughs> or something. Uh, yeah, that's really interesting. I, I like that a lot. Uh, and I definitely think spam door-to-door salesman is an interesting sort of element to the uh, utopian future that I don't see how we can get around it. So that's that's cool. I like that. Um. And then, you know, uh, that's, I think, the most interesting one. And then, you know, you've got your more standard types of evangelism, which is that they might hang out anywhere they're allowed to hang out. That's like a central hub world. Sure. You know, if there's if there's that marketplace world where you can get a booth or something, they'd have a booth there, obviously sure. trying to meet people. You know, things like that. Or maybe they show up like, you know, we were talking about having like an art opening event. You can imagine they might show up at places like that to try to recruit people. Recruit you know, or protest just, them or, yeah. Just anywhere people gather, sure. right? Um, you know, so that's another place they can enter the, uh, the these various religions can enter the story. Um, yeah. It's funny. This is yeah. they could also um, provide service of some kind, right? I mean, that's a big thing that religions do. They run oh, schools. Yeah. They run soup kitchens. In our world, that wouldn't really be relevant here. But you know, things like schools and um, mental institutions. Um, uh, hospitals may not make sense, but convalescence might. So if you have worlds where uh, regeneration is on but slow, then you might want convalescence type places where you can go and be cared for while you wait to regenerate. All that stuff could be run by religions who are, you know, using it as a soft marketing. You know, they're not hard proselytizing necessarily, but it allows them to erect a giant cross yeah. in the middle of town and, you know, call the place St. Francis or whatever. and yeah. I think I'm having a hard time imagining that maybe until we do a future episode on on what work looks like, because then then I'd know what jobs maybe they could be. Right. They could be fulfilling. I think any uh, job that's generally thought of as service, whether it's, you know. Um, but so few of those are really necessary <laughs> in this situation. Well, there's like I mean, caring for people. And then I think schools are still super necessary, um, both for uh forming people into uh members of various societies uh and in fact you might have to if you wanted to change societies as an adult you might have to go to school in order to kind of get a culture to it um but also to teach skills because you know people would be wanting to learn all kinds of skills. yeah but again that ties into like the kind of schooling usually ties into the kind of work that's generally done so yeah, I think I mean I guess I'm just teasing the fact that we need to do a we've talked about this off air. We need to do yeah, a Yeah, we need to do a work on, on this. For sure. Yep. Um 
Well, maybe we should do that yeah. next time, actually. That maybe feels like the, the thing to do. Yeah, because that feels like the biggest gap still is like, mm-hmm. what does work look like? What does the general economy look like? And that ties back, immediately back into education, which you've now brought up. But right. I, think, I think it makes sense to, to grapple with work first. And also into scarcity, which we have covered. So that's sort of what generates the needs, and then we have to figure out. Yeah. And then when we say work, do we just mean remunerated work, or do we mean, you know, pastimes, occupations, callings? vocations right. you know i think all that stuff we should cover all that stuff uh, what are people actually spending their time doing um uh other than leisure because uh yeah there are they are obviously just skydiving and stuff like that but there's yeah there's going to be more to it than that okay well look man this has been good i think we should wrap this up yeah, yeah. We, we, I mean, we, we floated a bunch of ideas off air. We're going to have to go and parse this list and, and, and boil it down for ourselves and figure out which of these, how many of these fun threads we can cram into our story, right? Right. Uh, and some of this might just be like deep, deep background, but I think it's good to kind of have five or six religions in our heads, even if we only ever like show one, you know? Well, and I'm, yeah, I'm all for, for making this uh, a dense book if we can and cramming this stuff in somewhere because I think it's fun. But uh, yeah. Anyways, yeah, that is it for today. So thank you for listening, and uh, we will see you next time. This has been Constellation, Making the Graphic Novel. Our theme song is Pomona by Audios. To subscribe to this podcast, look us up on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher application. You can find us on Twitter or on the web at constellationpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.